Welcome to the A Catholic Life Podcast. I am Matthew, the author of A Catholic Life, welcoming you to episode 52 of the A Catholic Life Podcast. In today's episode on Quinquagesima Sunday, I address the following topics. First, the readings for Quinquagesima Sunday. Secondly, the votive feast of the holy face of our Lord Jesus Christ, deformed in his passion. Thirdly, the customs for St. Valentine's Day, which is this week, And finally, and most importantly, Ash Wednesday, and the beginning of Lent is approaching, and I go over the mandatory fasting and abstinence rules for this week, and I also provide a link in the show notes to so much more as we enter into the Lenten season, and especially into the strictness of the Lenten fast. But before I do so, I'd like to stop and thank the sponsor for today's episode. This episode is sponsored by PrayLatin.com. PrayLatin.com offers Latin prayer cards to learn and share prayers in the sacred language. Learn your basic prayers in Latin conveniently on the go. Practice your pronunciation with easy-to-follow English phonetic renderings of Latin words. PrayLatin.com offers prayer cards in various formats, including Latin-English rosary pamphlets with the traditional 15 mysteries. Shop for additional Latin resources like missile booklets, server response cards, and much more. Please visit PrayLatin.com today. Now, before I get into the first topic of today's episode, I have to thank everyone. This is episode 52 of the A Catholic Life podcast. I have been doing this now for one year, and I couldn't have done it without the encouragement of a few key friends who really encouraged me to start a podcast. Thank you so much. And I also couldn't do it without everybody's support. All of you who subscribe to this podcast, who share it, who post links on social media, who listen to it on Spotify or Apple, please give it five stars, recommend it to others, help me continue to grow the numbers so that I can continue to keep doing this. I've hit my goal of doing this podcast for one year, but I'd like to keep doing it longer. So please support the podcast. Consider being a Patreon member, which helps me keep the show online and find the time to do these recordings. But For now, thank you. It means a lot to know that I've done this for one year. And in fact, I started on Quinquagesima Sunday last year. So I have now gone through the temporal cycle of the church in one whole year. Um, I started this podcast last year on February 19th. So after this episode, I basically also gone over all the additional saints days that occur throughout the year. While I'm still going to plan to highlight some of those in upcoming episodes, I might change the focus a little bit to focus a little bit more on the spirituality and customs regarding the Sundays throughout the year, including the liturgical reasons from the traditional Roman rite. I'll also continue to talk about articles I write for other publications, but just so you know, since we are hitting the one-year mark, the show will still be kept around 15 to 20 minutes, but the actual topics might change a little bit. While I will try to hit the additional and important saints of the week, I probably will not go into as much detail on their lives since that's already recorded in a prior episode. And also, one other housekeeping note, if anybody has not obtained a copy of the second edition to the Definitive Guide to Catholic Fasting and Absence, which I'm so happy to have made available, I have a link in the show notes. This is a great guide for us this Lent, so please obtain a copy 
understand what our forefathers and our ancestors did so much and so diligently throughout the year, but especially during the Lenten fast. So please obtain a copy today. And when you're done, share the book with somebody else, because I guarantee that so many priests and laymen will find 95% of this book new to them. In fact, many of it was new to me when I started on this originally. So please share what you learned with others. Now on to the first topic of today's episode. I have a link in the show notes to the readings for Quinquagesima Sunday. And going over those just very briefly, the readings for this particular Sunday in the year, we'll find that the epistle is taken from 1 Corinthians. And that has the beautiful passage from St. Paul, which starts, Brethren, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And if I should have prophecy and should know all mysteries and all knowledge and should have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And if I should distribute all my goods to feed the poor and deliver my body to be burned and have not charity, it profit me nothing. This is important that we keep this in mind this Lent. We are going to be going through a hardcore boot camp for the soul and the body with the Lenten fast. So the strict Lenten fast, which I encourage absolutely everybody to keep if you physically can, that is 40 days, every day but Sundays from Ash Wednesday on. It will be a day of fasting of only one meal, preferably after sunset. Every single day from Ash Wednesday on, including Sundays, absolutely no meat and no animal products. Go entirely vegan. This is what our forefathers did for so long. But even though we're taking this on, let's remember to offer it up and to do so in charity. So we should be going to confession definitely throughout this period. We should be praying more. We should be finding opportunity for traditional Catholic almsgiving. There's so much that can be said on this. But let us keep this in mind that if we do all these wonderful things, if we're not in the state of grace, i.e. if we do not have charity, it profit us nothing. And the gospel reading for this particular Sunday is Luke 18 where it starts at that time, Jesus took unto him the twelve and said to them, Behold, we hope to Jerusalem, and all things shall be accomplished, which were written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man. For he shall be delivered to the Gentiles, and shall be mocked and scourged and spit upon. And after they have scourged him, they will put him to the death. And the third day he will rise again. So this particular gospel passage, we are now hearing really for the first time in the church's year of the upcoming passion of our Lord. And we are prepared to enter into a passion of our own as we prepare to suffer and to offer up these penances for the good of souls, for the conversion of sinners, and in reparation for our own sins. So there's so much that can be said, great beauty regarding this whole Septuagesima season regarding these readings. And Quinquagesima Sunday is certainly one of those. I have a copy of an old book from Father Pius Parish entitled Sermons on the Liturgy, where he gives sermons for all the Sundays in the year, as well as a few other important feast days, like, for instance, the Feast of All Saints, which he has in the back. This is what he says briefly for Quinquagesima Sunday. Although on this Sundays we find in the Mass test practically no unified thought, still there are a number of dogmatic and moral truths touching on Lent and its significance as a preparation for the Feast of Easter. The Gospel indicates how Lent should be kept and what is to be achieved. The way is the following of Christ and his suffering. The end is illumination through grace. Grace, however, can be recognized outwardly in the virtue of love. There are the three main lessons of the day. One, the suffering of Christ. Two, grace. And three, love. All three should be included in the preparation for Lent. 
I find his uh, volume quite uh, beautiful, actually, and um, I have gone through before a few different times throughout the liturgical year, and I might, in additional episodes now, as we continue on past episode 52, quote some more uh, from his particular sermons throughout the liturgical year, because I think they're quite insightful. Here's what he says in the conclusion for his quinquagesima reflection several pages in. Quote, now we are ready to begin Lent, knowing what we have to do. On the first Sunday, the church is going to exhort us in the words of St. Paul, Brethren, we do exhort that you receive not the grace of God in vain. Use this most precious time of grace. By the time Easter arrives, we want to be renewed and sanctified Christians. With the suffering Christ, we now go up to Jerusalem, since Lent is a sharing in the passion of Christ. We cry out for grace, which is the eyesight of the Spirit. We desire to advance in brotherly love, since Lent is a time for renewing the life of grace. End quote. So there's much to be thought about today, and it all, of course, is focused on the upcoming Lenten season. But on to the next topic of this particular episode, and I believe I mentioned this on the first episode of this podcast last year, and that is the votive feast of the holy face of our Lord Jesus Christ deformed in his passion. And this is kept on Fat Tuesday, which is also known as Mardi Gras. And unfortunately, the day has transformed from one final day of fun and merriment and meat-eating into a day of public scandal and sin for many, especially those in the, in the New Orleans area. And unfortunately, with so few actually keeping the 40-day fast, it is a mockery that anyone would celebrate Fat Tuesday who does not commit to an authentically austere Lent. I've written before about the importance of reparation to the Holy Face for Fat Tuesday, and in fact, as I mentioned in that prior post, our Lord himself appeared to Mother Pierna in 1938 and requested a day of reparation for Fat Tuesday with these words, quote, See how I suffer, nevertheless I am understood by so few. What gratitude on the part of those who say they love me. I have given my heart as a sensible object of my great love for man, and I give my face as a sensible object of my sorrow for the sins of man. I desire that it should be honored by a special feast on Tuesday in Quinquagesima. The feast will be preceded by Novena, in which the faithful make reparation with me, uniting themselves with my sorrow." End quote. In 1889, Pope Leo XIII approved the confraternity of the Holy Face. Now, the Mass for this feast, though, appears in a missal from St. Peter's Basilica in Rome dating from the 1500s. There is also a votive Mass of the Holy Face in the Holy Land, which formed the sixth Mass of the Via Crucis. Now, closer after Leo XIII approved that confraternity of the Holy Face in 1910, St. Pius X, through a decree, approved a Mass for the Holy Face using of the votive mass of the Passion for Fridays and Tuesday was sex, was after sexagesima. And along with three other specifically uh, composed prayers of a colic, secret, and post-communion, and this is how this mass came to be about. Uh, this feast, being one of reparation, pairs well with the age-old custom of having the 40-day devotion in reparation for Carnival, which ends on this day. In fact, why we celebrate the 40-hour devotion, if you'll know that is often celebrated in parishes with a continuous adoration for 40 hours is because originally of the sins of Mardi Gras. So we should be making intense reparation for those who do not observe the Lenten fast this week, do not commit to the Lenten disciplines, blaspheme our Lord and his church, and then go out in mockery on Fat Tuesday. So there's this beautiful prayer we can say, and please find in the colic, but it goes, uh, please find in the show notes to this episode, but the colic goes as follows. Omnipotent and merciful God, deign we beseech you, grant to all those who honor with us the face of your Christ, disfigured by his passion for our sins, 
the grace to see him for eternity in all the splendor of celestial glory. We ask this through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. So that is a focus we can have this upcoming Tuesday, the last day of merriment before we begin the Lenten fast, for those of us who hopefully do so. If you want to be a part of a group, please go to onepeter5.com backslash fast. That's onepeter5.com backslash fast. Scroll to the bottom. There's a link to the Telegram group that I help administer of right now. It's been nearly 400 people who have committed to observe a strict Lenten fast, as well as the additional fast throughout the year. It is called the Fellowship of St. Nicholas, and we support one another, and we answer questions regarding fast and abstinence throughout the year. So please, if you have Telegram, click on that and join us and commit to the fasting and absence of our forefathers. Now, the next topic of this episode, I'd like to address briefly the customs for St. Valentine's Day. Now, it must be noted that Valentine's Day this year falls on Ash Wednesday. So as such, it is not appropriate to celebrate St. Valentine's Day this year on February 14th. If we want to celebrate it, we should be celebrating it one day earlier on February 13th on Fat Tuesday. St. Valentine's Day is based on the life of St. Valentine, a Roman martyr who was beheaded around the year 269 to 273, somewhere around there. For a short period, the Emperor Claudius II outlawed marriage to keep men available as soldiers for the Roman army. But St. Valentine refused to accept this heir, and the saintly priests continued to marry young couples who sought out the sacrament of holy matrimony. Claudius attempted to convert St. Valentine to paganism, but the saint resisted and attempted to bring Claudius to the church and to our Lord, and for this the emperor had St. Valentine beheaded. In prison, he helped the imprisoned, soon-to-be martyrs. The jailer saw that Valentine was a man of learning, so he brought his daughter Julia to Valentine for lessons. Now, Julia was a young girl who had been blind since birth, and during these lessons, St. Valentine would read to her about the history of Rome, and he taught her about God. Now, he also brought about her miraculous healing, and after this, the jailer, too, was converted to the Catholic faith. Having almonds, even almond cake, while telling the story would be a great way to keep the story of St. Valentine alive to future generations. Now, um, I'm talking about this because this is all based on an article I wrote for 1 Peter 5 on the Forgotten Customs of St. Valentine's Day. And part of that story is, well, St. Valentine was buried in what is now the Church of St. Praxis in Rome. And it is said that Julia planted a pink-blossomed almond tree near the grave of St. Valentine. And today, the almond tree remains a symbol of abiding love and friendship. That's why one of the customs we can do in our own lives is to have almonds, or at least almond cake, on Tuesday while relating and thinking and praying about St. Valentine, especially invoking his intercession that people will give up uh, the sins of the flesh, that people will give in to true Christian love and modesty, and that married couples will support one another, that more people will actually seek out the sacrament of holy matrimony and not live together uh, in um, a, you know, a sinful manner. So there's so much we can invoke the intercession of St. Valentine for. I've been privileged to see his skull in Rome where it is kept there in a church. Now, one way we can also keep St. Valentine's Day permeated with a Catholic ethos is to call it as such, St. Valentine's Day. In just a few generations, the memory of the saint could be completely forgotten if we cease reminding everybody that this day is named after a great saint and is not secular in origin. Similarly, we must keep calling it St. Patrick's Day in March, along uh, right now with St. Valentine's Day. 
Now, the most common custom associated with St. Valentine's Day is the sending of cards, flowers, and candies to those we love. This custom existed in some form since the Middle Ages, and St. Valentine's Day has been associated since then with romance. But it was not until the 18th century in England and America that the popularity of sending gifts began to accelerate by the aristocratic class, and this trend continued today, even more than a century after Esther Howland created the first St. Valentine's Day card in the 1840s. So please, if you'd like to learn more, this is an entire chapter in my book, Restoring Lost Customs for Christendom. Find it on Amazon or find links to it also in the Kindle store, and I also sell the paperback on my website, Restoring Lost Customs of Christendom. One way we can do so is the customs for St. Valentine's Day. But last, but certainly not least to cover in this episode, is the approaching Lenten fast. This is so important, and I want to go over the rules. This upcoming Wednesday, of course, is Ash Wednesday. It is a mandatory day of fasting and abstinence. All Catholics, age 14 or older, must are bound to abstain from meat on this day. So 14 and older, no end age. And this is per the 1983 Code of Canon Law. Of course, in the 1917 Code of Canon Law, the law of absence began at age seven. As such, I believe that everybody who's listening, if you have children, if they're age seven or older, they should be abstaining. In fact, if they're even a little bit younger, they might even want to begin abstaining and practicing this as well. Now, um, now what is forbidden by the law of absence? That is all meat. Meat is considered to be flesh, organs, mammals, fowl, also forbidden, or soups or gravies made from them. Now, salt and freshwater species of fish, amphibians, reptiles, and shellfish are permitted, and eggs are presently allowed. But as I talk about in the book, The Definitive Guide to Catholic Fasting and Absence, these are all modern novelties, especially the use of eggs during Lent. Easter eggs are special because eggs were forbidden for so long during Lent. Same thing with fish. It was actually St. Gregory the Great who was the first one to allow fish to be consumed beforehand. Really, if it was a day of absence, it was a vegan day. And that's why many Eastern churches keep all of Lent as vegan as well. And even St. Thomas Aquinas talks in the Summa about days of absence are different of Lent versus non-Lent. In Lent, they should be kept as uh, vegan days. So if you're able to, go beyond the minimum required by church law and keep all of Lent, as our forefathers did for so long, as vegan. That is, give up eggs, give up milk, give up butter, give up even fish, and one of the things you can do is look forward to the meal after we celebrate the resurrection. May your first be, meal be one of fish. And I say that because that was the first meal our blessed Lord, after his resurrection, had with his apostles. He took fish and he had bread. And last year was the first year that that was my first meal after the Lenten fast. And it meant so much to think that here I am eating fish for the first time in 46 days and that was the same meal our Lord broke with his closest friends and disciples. Even though they abandoned him, he came together and he said, peace be to you. And he had that meal. Now, additionally, Fresh Wednesday, per the 1983 Code of Canon Law, anyone between the ages of 18 and up is bound to fast on Ash Wednesday. Now, in the earlier 1970 Code, the, code, uh, the fast began at age 21 and up and continued till 60. But I will say that in former times, even the Middle Ages, Fasting would begin much earlier, really even to children. So even St. Thomas Aquinas says that those who are under this age might not be bound by church law to fast, but they might really, morally speaking, be bound to fast because that's the only way they can make up for some of their sins. So it's certainly possible for 15, 16, 17-year-olds with the permission of their parents 
to begin some some actual fasting on Ash Wednesday. And same thing, if you're 61, 62, you technically don't have to, but if you can, you certainly should continue to do so. Um, you're just not obliged to under under the pain of mortal sin, but you should, if you're able to, to continue to do so to unite with the church. I hope one day when I'm over 60 that I'll be able to keep fasting. Now, a fast, meet, what does it mean? It means one meal, one regular-sized meal. No indulging at a buffet at night to make up for the meals you could not eat for the day. That would violate the entire spirit of the fast. It should be one normal-sized meal. Ideally, it should be had after sunset, as our forefathers did in the early church. And of course, it is a vegan or at least a vegetarian meal. Uh, it should also be said that there was a practice that came out around the year 815-ish to the end of 900s where people would begin to have a small snack um, in the evening after their meal uh, because the meal uh, was, you know, at a certain time where they were hungry afterwards due to all the physical labor they did. So thus, the custom came in that you'd have this other snack by the time of really, you know, Pope Leo the Thirteenth or St. Alphonsus Liguori, there's kind of a notion of there was a morning snack as well called a frustulum. The evening one was called the collation. The morning snack could be two ounces. Uh, theologian said the evening one about eight ounces. Together, they don't equal the main meal. The church no longer talks about the ounce requirements of any of these uh, and, and also allows... Um, liquids to be had during the day as well. Beforehand, liquids were also not able to be had outside of mealtimes at a certain time. All of this to be said, there's so much that can be said about fasting and absence. Please check out my book, The Definitive Guide to Catholic Fasting and Absence, if you're interested. It goes over more detail than I could possibly do in the show, all of the details regarding fasting and absence. But I will have a link in the show notes so that way you can understand the at least the basic rules for fasting and absence for this upcoming Ash Wednesday, as well as a link to the propers of this Mass so we can understand the spirituality of the Ash Wednesday liturgy. Of course, Ash Wednesday is not a holy day of obligation, but absolutely make every single possible effort you can to make it to Mass this Wednesday to receive those ashes on your head and to begin your resolutions to finish well for this upcoming Easter. Thank you, everybody, for listening. May God grant you most blessed week and a most blessed Lenten fast. Please do not neglect this opportunity. Please join me and others in the true Lenten fast. And thank you so much for supporting the show. It has been one year, and I'm so thankful for your support. Ad maiorum, Dei Gloriam. We go